Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Nice Wrong Word. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you anytime, anywhere. A blessed epiphany season to all of you this Wednesday, January the 19th, as we gather around the gift of the inspired and true word of God and see Christ in him crucified, for he is our light and our life. What a theme it is during epiphany. And for us in Minnesota, it's important for us to know there's light because it is dark, it is cold, and we need some clarity. And today we get that with law gospel with our text this morning, but I will say there's a little confusion. When you read it in the context of 21st century Americans, you're like, that doesn't sound like the Jesus I know. But as we know, as baptized children of Christ, that we know that life is not easy. It can be quite messy, especially when you do what God has called us to do. And today we ask the question as he calls the 12 disciples to do something and to do things that we don't always understand. Is that just for them or is this for us? How does this all relate and how does it point us to Christ? We'll find out this morning as the gifts are ready, ready for you. Thank you to our great friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit lhfmissions.org for more information, lhfmissions.org. Helping us to be strengthened by God's Word this morning, excuse me, we welcome Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kai V. Shalom in Clayton, Missouri. Pastor Parviz, happy epiphany, and welcome back to Thy Strong Word. Good morning. Good morning, Brady. Dark up there, huh? <laughs> it is darker than you want, but we'll, we will make it through. Uh, the light um, yeah. leading us, and uh, cold is not helping us, but such is life. Yeah. So tell us, yeah. what's going on for you? What's going on for you, Pastor? Pardon me? What's going on for you? Oh, everything's fine. We're just, uh, you know, cold, too. Not nearly as cold as I'm sure it is up there, but, uh, you know, winter. <laughs> so, Pastor, I think the last time we were on the program together was in August, but then we hung out for a little bit in October. I don't think you've been on since then. Am I correct? I think you are. You guys had me scheduled for the first Monday of every month, and there's so many holidays. You guys never, never <laughs> had me on. <laughs> That's true. Anyways, it was a joy for me in October. I happened to be in St. Louis, and I thought, you know what? I'm going to stop by to see Pastor Parviz and the ministry that goes on in Clayton. So it was a real joy to sit down with you for a while and um, uh, and, yeah, and to hear it. more and see more. Yeah. yeah, it was a great time. It was a great time. So anything going on for the ministry for you? I mean, we're... we're... You know, the, the upsurge in COVID and all of that nonsense is still going strong here in the loo. And so we're, I think we're really going to, I'm trying to develop a new uh, online format for conversations. Uh, I think people, you know, I was, I was doing a Bible study with Paul and uh, talked about the need for a wise and discerning mind. And I think that's the thing that's missing in community these days. And so I just want to try to develop a forum where people that that's kind of titularly non-religious, but mm -hmm. gives people an opportunity to explain to each other why they believe what they believe. And then, of course, gently find those gospel bridges that we can um, we can bring the scriptures to. So I'm, I, I'm trying to take advantage of I, I injured myself on Saturday and had to Zoom my own worship service. Uh, fortunately, my congregation did a really good job of picking up in my absence. 
but um, I, I really come to appreciate the online opportunities that God has given us. I think we need to take a better opportunity to do to the better, a better job of taking care of those opportunities. And how are you now? You said you're injured. Are you on the up and up, I'm, or are we still? I'm still pretty puny. I fell down two flights of stairs. So Lord I got have a mercy. bad back left leg and a bad right shoulder and it's kind of crazy well i i think the only thing to do at that point is to pray so pastor yeah. <laughs> even with a, a bad leg and a, and a bad hip and a bad whatever the list you had we can still pray so can you ask the lord's blessings on our time today and, and give it all to the lord I will certainly do that Abba Father, thank you for this opportunity via this uh, technology that we use here today to bring your word to many who may be home and may not have much contact during these days with others. Uh, Lord, we pray your blessing upon our time together that you would, by your Holy Spirit, anoint us for understanding in this very tough passage. Uh, and Lord, that by that same Spirit, you would help us to know how we, as your children, um, can can interact with this very crazy world we live in. Uh, we pray all this Hashem Yeshua in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Amen. Amen. If you have any questions concerning our text today, send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org, or give us a call, 314-821-0850, 314-821-0850. And Pastor, you said something very important that I want to just touch on a little bit is the last couple of weeks, we've been asking people who have been listening where they have been listening from. Like you said, many are in isolation, not able to get out. And I'm also finding that it's amazing how far reaching the, the message goes through KFUO, as it is through other venues that we've seen during COVID. So I just got a message the other day from people from Illinois, um, from Michigan, from Pennsylvania, from Canada, and even someone from Hawaii. So it definitely is an amazing thing to see how God's word goes beyond, you know, our normal uh, touch points in our lives and to be able to reach them where they are at. Clearly, our goal from KFUO and from this program is that you are part of a local community and a local congregation. So you hear those words and part of the body of Christ. But at the same time, God's word does get proclaimed. And so that's one of the joys we see that even in isolation, the word can be proclaimed. Or even if you have a bad leg or a bad shoulder or a bad hip and all that, like Pastor's saying, the word still gets proclaimed. What a joy that is. Um, yeah, we so had thank a, you for sharing uh, that. Online, we had an online Bible study last December, and four time zones came in. It was really kind of cool. So, you know, mm. you know, here in the St. Louis area, you, you get a small number of people who are interested in these things, and they come and they enjoy. But boy, when four di people from four different time zones come in, that's kind of exciting. That is exciting. Well, thanks be to God for that. So, so Pastor, I want to start this way. Matthew nine is or excuse me, Matthew ten. I'm not even on the right chapter. Uh, Matthew ten is really like an up and down roller coaster, because you receive the the calling of the disciples. He speaks right before this about persecution, and today he says some words, like you said in, in your prayer, and I appreciate that because we do need the Lord's help, that kind of like, okay, how does this all fit together for them and for us? So I want to start this way. I want us to be able to digest this even more. So I want to read all of our verses today, which is verses 34 through 42, and then come back and to receive your first thoughts on this text, just so we hear it and hear it and hear it again 
and try to understand it by the help of the Holy Spirit. So any thoughts on that? You ready? I think that's good. All right. Verse 34, we'll be reading through 42. Reminder to our listeners, we'll be reading from the English Standard Version of Holy Scripture, starting in verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against his mother, her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Whoever receives you receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Here ends our text for today. And as we hear these words, Pastor, what are your first thoughts as Jesus speaks in chapter 10? That was a nice show. Brady, see you next time. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus spoke, so we're good. Shower up, right? (laughs) Yeah. That's right. Um, I mean, these are really hard, hard passages, and, and and they really hit me very hard because of the context of our ministry. And this is the same context that that Jesus is sending his disciples into. Remember, at the beginning of the chapter, what they're sending, he sends them not to any Samarian city, not to any place other than the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and that's the primary context of our ministry. And it's really hard to see because, you know, so many Jewish people, they deny Jesus' Messiahship because he didn't bring peace to the world. You know, they they have this idea Mm. that Messiah is going to, and I hear this all the time, you know, the swords are not beaten into plowshares, the lamb is not laying down with the lion. And, And of course, the whole distinction between Christ coming in you know, in in glory and then coming in judgment is two different things. The second coming is a real problem with how the church communicates that to unbelievers. But, um, you know, here Jesus is very clear that he does not come to bring peace. Uh, and, And that's in direct contravention to what, at least today, Jewish expectation of the Messiah is, and probably is the direct contravention of what the Jewish expectation of the Messiah was then as well. And so he's setting up his disciples, his, his apostles, to know that they're not going to be received uh, because what the message that they're giving is not a message that people are expecting. And so this is interesting to me as you say that this is a, a Jewish issue of that they believe the Messiah would bring this um, eternal peace, I guess, here on earth would be the dynamic that, that if, if I'm correct in what, what you're saying. But this is also kind of an American ideal, if I can say it that way, because many people are like, look, look around. It's not that peaceful. Therefore, 
you know, I don't, you know, Jesus didn't say what he's going to bring, you know, and so therefore, right. why would I believe in this when there's not peace? So uh, is that a tension or am I hearing, am I hearing you correct that that's kind of a, an American ideal and a Jewish ideal kind of intersecting or how would you say that? Well, you know, I always teach people that if they could witness to Jewish people, they can witness to anyone because um, the the same the same issues trickle down to every. I mean, yes, you know, Jews have a particular kind of baggage, and they have a particular kind of you know because of the Holocaust and everything else, and all of that stuff that has to come up. But the reality is, people do have the same expectations. It's just couched mm-hmm. perhaps a little bit differently. Um, but we do look around and I, I, you know, the, the online forum I'm trying to, uh, trying to get going is, is an opportunity to say, why is everything going on around us the way it is? People are so confused by gender dysphoria. People are so confused by social justice issues. And, 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 and we just live in a world where there is no real discernment of what is going on. We don't use wise thinking. We just respond and react. And I think that's 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 not a, an American concept. It's it's a human condition, and the Jews yeah. are kind of the spear the spearhead of the human condition. And this is why, you know, this is why this text is important for us for discernment about because Jesus. Jesus gives us the opportunity to discern, and one of the joys of going through Matthew, because we're going through Matthew, and we started in December, and we're going all the way to Easter, is for us to slow down, hear the words of Jesus, and and just because we don't necessarily like it right away, um, or are confused by it, doesn't mean we don't ponder it longer and pray about it longer, because like you said, we are quick to react as opposed to allowing the Holy Spirit to work. And, and I, like, I like how you said it, too. This isn't just a Jewish problem. This isn't an American issue. This is a humanity issue that we all are darkened by sin, which is why the Epiphany season, which is full of light, I want to walk as a child of the light, is so important for us as we slowly reveal, um, the scriptures reveal to us who Jesus is. Pastor, anything else you want to say before we begin uh, going a few verses at a time? No, that's fine. I, I think all I right. addressed the first verse. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's read it again and just maybe, maybe, well, let's ponder it a little bit longer. Verse 34. Yeah. Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Pastor, right away when you hear those words, if you stopped at verse 34, um, well, maybe even if you continue on, but still verse 34 you are really left. Uh, what is going on? Almost falling off a cliff when you hear these words. Um, what's Jesus doing, or how would you how would you describe uh, these words and why they're important for us today? Well, again, Jesus is uh, is sometimes inscrutable. Um, <laughs> he, uh, you know, I, I think I think a guy like Judas Iscariot, who is supposed to be, you know, a zealot. Uh, and probably has a has a dagger in his belt. Um, you know, they hear these words and they say, "Oh yes, we're going to bring warfare. We're going to bring the the, the going to kick the Romans out of our country. We're going to reestablish the throne of David. We're going to go to war." And of course, that's not what Jesus is talking about. And in his entire teaching and in his entire life, there's nothing in his teaching about going to war. 
it's about and, and the sword that he's bringing is the sword that divides you know meat from marrow and and bone from marrow it's the word of god it is you know it that's why in you know in revelation we see jesus with a sword coming out of his mouth um and the word and that's the, that's the challenge the word does separate people because it has these universal and and intentional truths that people don't like Mm -hmm. and you know jesus is sending these guys to these villages around judea he's saying you're going to tell these people things that are true that they won't want to hear and it's going and and those who receive it and we'll get into this later because we we see this all the time in jewish households jewish people who receive the word of god and come to faith in messiah they get buried by their families. They get disowned. Uh, there is this. There is this real divide that the word brings between people, and we see today, the word is dividing even the church. Uh, and it's just such a shame to you know the visible church, not the invisible church. But this the sword that Jesus wields is truth. It's the word of God. It is what we have to be confronted with. In the large catechism, uh, in, in our confessional uh, documents, small large catechism, large catechism, when it talks about the third petition, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, uses this verse, and this is what Martin Luther says. If we will be Christians, therefore, we must surely expect and count on having the devil with all his angels and the world as our enemies, and no one think that he shall have peace. And I found that, how you say it, um, uh, disturbingly assuring. I'm not sure how to say it because it's, it's, it's not a message of, of hope, but it does show us that when we realize that why, why is not everyone agreeing with us? Why do people seem not to be for us? Um, this, this is nothing new. The devil does not like it when we preach the truth. The angels, even the world, as you said, even within people's families, they might not... Um, well, it's not met with joy, but it is met with basically a sword, and it separates families and other people. And so this is nothing new. Martin Luther wrote about it in the 16th century, and we see it today, and we still pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Other thoughts you have? And we are, of course, reminded that God's will will be done, but how can we be participants in the bringing of his will to this, to this mm-hmm. realm, to this kingdom? Uh, and, you know, God's will is going to be done with or without us. But the petition reminds us that, you know, we want his will to be done in our lives and in the people around us. And, and then how do we respond to that? By, And we do that by bringing the sword. And it's not weapons of warfare. It is ultimately a weapon of peace. But when, you know, I always, during the Advent season, and pretty much for, for me every day, I pray, come Lord Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. And we, we long for that, that day in which Jesus returns and gathers together the elect from the four winds and, and calls us into our heavenly home. But I think the thing that we often forget about when we pray that prayer is that is not going to be a pleasant day. There are going to be those who are judged, and the Word yeah. is going to separate us even from our loved ones. And, you know— um, there are, and, and until that day comes, the only thing we can do is keep proclaiming the word and pray that when that day comes, that they will be with us. But that's not—I can't see that being a, 
real pleasant day as we stand on Jesus's right hand and see the ones on his left being cast into a burning fire. I mean, it, it leaves us with a lot of discomfort. And I like how you how you said it so well, that what do we do to that point? We preach the word of God. And there's a point where you we can't control other people, let alone control ourselves, which is why yeah. it's all in God's hand. Um, and I like how you're how you're doing this. And, and this is something I'm going to encourage you, our listeners. And for me and our guests from here on is to to do a lot of of uh, interpreting the scriptures uh, through the small catechism as an interpretive key. And you mentioned it so well, what, what you were referencing was the third petition of the small catechism when it says, uh, what, is, what does this mean? Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. Meaning that, yeah, God's will is done even without us even praying, but God is always at work breaking and hindering the evil plan of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, and his will may be done, which is that Christ may be glorified and people would believe. So thank you for uh, bringing that in. That is something that is so valuable to us as we look at Holy Scripture. Pastor, anything else in verse 34? Uh, nope, I think that's enough for me. <laughs> All right, enough, enough from you. There it is. I'll say that from now on. That's enough from you. Okay, thirty-five. We'll go through. <laughs> we'll go through thirty-seven. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. I stopped there, Pastor, and I want to I want to start this way, and I want you to um, expand more on what you were saying about a Jewish family when someone converts to Christ. And let me just start in 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 my context. In my context is my family on both sides have been part of a Lutheran tradition, either Norwegian or German. And that was obviously somewhat controversial when my grandmother married, you know, she was Norwegian and he was German, just kind of upset because they couldn't pray Norwegian and he wouldn't understand it or something. I mean, all those. And then now, you know, grandma's going to have a beer at a church function. I mean, those were the those were the quote controversies of that time. But 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 for us, mainly it's been German Lutheran. We've we've done this for a long time and and more or less everyone agrees with this. Um, and we really have not had that. So it's really hard for many of us. I know for my family in particular and my wife's family, which is the same dynamic for us to understand ever a time where our father and mothers and mother-in-law and father-in-laws and everybody would be rejected because of their faith. Because even though we have family members who are not active in their faith, they would still be respectful of it. So they're not going to, they haven't come to me and said, we don't like you, Brady, because you're a a Lutheran pastor or something, but also mm -hmm. you've spoken about this. And I know I've heard you, we've spoken about this in personal conversations about the rejection that does happen within a Jewish family when someone converts to Christ. Can you expand on that? And, um, and, and kind of, cause this is kind of a true statement for people that, you know, and you want to tell us more. Well, it's, you know, I, and again, I don't think this is necessarily exclusive to Jewish families, although it's probably more pronounced in Jewish families, 
Because as Jews, and I'm a first-generation Jewish believer, so I went through this. When I came to faith in Jesus, I was disowned by my mother. And, and my, interestingly enough, my wife was kind of disowned by her father because her father, though a German Lutheran, um, you know, she was not marrying a, a, a Christian. And I can respect that, I suppose. I mean, I think he just hated me, frankly. But... Um, you know, we were we both we we got married in the Holiday Inn by a by a I guess what she must have been a Unitarian. I'm not sure. It was not not a church wedding. Um, you know, and we did not have family support because we had been disowned. Now, of course, the disowning issue is is kind of an artificial issue because I often say blood is thicker than water. But I know someone who came to faith in Jesus back in the 70s. And her family literally had a funeral for her. They tore their clothes and they buried her and disowned her, thinking, you know, feeling that she was dead now to them. And the issues around that are because when in, in the Jewish community, especially when you come to faith in Jesus, you are perceived as leaving your community, as turning your back on your relatives, turning your back on all those who died in the Holocaust, all that baggage. And, and so they disown you. But I also note that her, you know, she's been a believer now for many years. And for many years, her family, her father and mother are now passed away. But for many years, they were coming to our Hanukkah parties. And I, you know, there's some, some hope that her mother came to faith through that. She still has sisters. She still has other family members that she's considered kind of the black sheep of the family, but they're still getting together and they're growing closer and closer. And she has a greater voice, but it just takes so much time. Uh, this separation is real and this distinction is real. But the reality is when we love the Lord, and this is what this text is about, more than our earthly relationships, then as we persevere in that love for the Lord, which also leads us to love them, even though they have denied us. The, the, I think, you know, it's, it's been my experience that those, re, those relationships are strengthened over time to the point where they, you start to have a voice in your family. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's very odd and very rare that someone is disowned to death. Uh, but there is this separation that occurs, and you have, and and I've known Jewish people who, because of this disowning, have got have recanted their faith, and gone and mm -hmm. and become accepted back in their community, and they've loved their the world more than they love the Lord, and uh, and that recanting of faith will lead, of course, to judgment and condemnation, and and that's just really heart sick about. So you, you just you have this real tension, and this text really really speaks to that. And again, I don't think this is just a Jewish context. I think right. I think it's more pronounced, perhaps, in Jewish homes. But I think that there are lots of people who are. Uh, I, I teach at the seminary, and I talk to students, and many of my students, at least in the past years, they came to faith during uh, you know they they got religious zeal, if you will during a time in which their family couldn't really get what they were doing. Uh, and so they had to deal with kind of the strife that wanting, and it was so weird because when I came to faith and then decided to become a pastor, 
by the time I had become decided to become a pastor, uh, my father-in-law had sort of re- had brought us because kids will bring grandparents back. He had sort of accepted the fact that she married a Jew and I was doing well and I was providing for the family. And then when I came to faith in Jesus and because I came to faith in Jesus, I lost my business because my business was primarily among Jewish people who quit doing business with me. Um, and I start, we started to see that this wasn't going to be the successful, financially successful guy that his daughter married. And he got all messed up again about the fact that how could I choose to, to choose this life when I'm putting my family in peril? That's just a reality. Wow. And Pastor, there's one question. We're gonna we're 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 just about to go to our break, but I want this is the question that people will say. But Pastor, is God asking me to deny my family? Is that what God has asked me to do? And I want to hear more of what you will say after that. But right now we need to take our break. We are studying Matthew chapter 10 with Pastor Kevin Parviz, and we'll be right back. These are the voices of young Lutherans in Mexico City, children who are excited to learn more about their Savior, Jesus. But they need our help, because good Lutheran books for kids in the Spanish language are in short supply in Mexico. To learn how you can help tell Spanish-speaking kids everywhere about Jesus in a language they can understand, go to the Lutheran Heritage Foundation website at lhfmissions.org forward slash Juan 316. Welcome back. We are studying Matthew chapter 10 with Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kai V. Shalom in Clayton, Missouri, in St. Louis, Missouri area. And Pastor, one thing I want to encourage our listeners is to look up the ministry of Congregation Kai V. Shalom. If you're in the St. Louis area, stop by. It was a lot of fun to be able to go into Dogtown, which is this own unique area um, right next to Forest Park but also to check out the, the wonderful work that they do and the ministry that happens in that place. But Pastor, here's a question that naturally comes up. I've had this question to me numerous times from people, especially young people. It says, well, wait a second here. Are you saying that I should not love my parents? I should not love my children? That I should not love my grandparents or mother-in-law or father-in-law? I mean, some of those we might be okay with at times, not wanting to love, but is God actually telling me to not love these people? How would you respond? Uh, well, first of all, keep in mind you still have that that's enough from you card because I think I rambled last half hour. But um, <laughs> keep going. Not, no, I don't think Jesus and, and God is, is by no means suggesting we don't love our family. In fact, loving Jesus gives us more love for our family because perhaps of the condition that they're in. Uh, but we need to love Jesus more than we love the, the familial relationships that we have earthly. If we don't, I have another lady who I minister with, and she she basically said that, um, you know, if she believes in Jesus, she will not be with her grandparents 
and I don't, and she didn't care where they were. She wanted to be with them. Um, mm-hmm. That's you know that's a strong and that's a common a common problem with with Jewish people especially, but also people who have uh, families who perhaps are not believing in Jesus. Uh, and and the reality is, as I said with the first example, if we love our if we love Jesus. We confess our faith, and we're not shy about it, and we continue to love our family. I do believe that even if they are are negative about our faith choices and even to the point of burying us, and they even invited her to her own funeral, which was really strange, but then, then that love will give us more voice in our family over time. I do believe that blood is thicker than water, that, you know, regardless of what your, uh, your faith is over time, your family will love you and will give you opportunity to, to explain to them why you believe what you believe. And that will be the greatest love that you can give to them. And so, you know, when we give up our faith for the sake of an earthly relationship, then at that period of time when Jesus comes to return, what is the what is the the problem? You know, what is the issue with that? We're gonna we're gonna see that judgment, and it and I think that judgment is real, and we have to actually consider that for not just ourselves, but also for I don't I don't think law is a great motivation to do this stuff. It really is love. We mm-hmm. we love our family enough to to tell them truth. And when we deny truth for the sake of our family, then we're condemning all of us. So as we look at this, it, 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 I really appreciate all your words here, uh, Pastor Parviz, because it is something where we believe the truth, and, and the truth will set you free. I mean, that's the gospel. This is, this is, that's exactly what it is, is this freedom from sin, death, and the devil, um, this forgiveness of sins that we cannot see anywhere else. And you've really given us something very important for us to remember that this truth um, is going to transcend even these situations. And like you said, uh, blood is thicker than water. And this in our families, when they are able to hear truth, many times that families at least are going to be respectful and, the, and, and, and um, an understanding of where you are at. And we pray by the Holy Spirit that people will come to faith. Pastor, and, and I, I want to do, go I ahead. Think- I just feel the same way about witnessing to our friends who don't believe in Jesus. People always say, if I tell people that I believe in Jesus, then they'll they'll stop being my friend. But we're loving our friends and our families to hell then. And, uh, you know, the reality is we, we have to risk our relationships for their sake uh, and, and share Jesus. Now it goes from family to, in some ways, almost a higher calling, verses 38 through 39. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. So it it might not quite hit the heart quite as strongly, but to take up your own cross or take up his cross and follow me, you know, and when you start thinking about the cross that Jesus took, this is not really a fun thing to think about. So, Pastor, what is Jesus telling his disciples? Well, I mean, certainly the cross is not even. This is you know, this is before Jesus's you know three years before his his taking up his own cross. But the cross is not an unknown thing in Roman Judea. 
right? They're, this is a favorite form of execution for the Romans. And so to say, take up the cross means be willing to die for my sake. And they know that. That's, it's not a metaphor. I mean, it is, it is a, an actual thing. And, and if you're not willing to die by following me, you're, you're not worthy because that, that's what this leads to ultimately is the, the, the separation between us and the world and even to the point of, and we have prayers in our congregation every week for the persecuted church and those churches where believers literally, their lives are in danger because of the faith that they have. Uh, they have taken up the cross and followed Jesus, um, and to the end that they may actually be martyred for their faith. Now, I don't think—I'm not sure anybody has the gift of martyrdom until they need it. Uh, I don't think, you know, whoever finds his life will lose it. We're not supposed to take it to lose our life. But mm-hmm. the reality is there's always that potential when we follow Jesus. And so this is another example when someone says, for us today, the question I have is, how does this relate to us today? We want to make sure that this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. So let's not try to make ourselves into apostles right now or start comparing, hey, I'm like Peter, I'm, you know, too far. I mean, we definitely are followers of Christ. They were followers of Christ. How would you relate this to today? And someone says, well, pastor, that was good for them. And many of them took up martyrdom. Um, most of them actually took up martyrdom uh, for the sake of the name of Jesus. What does that mean for me today? Or how would you describe or teach that to somebody? Well, I, I think in a, in a sense here in, in Western United, you know, the Western world in the United States, it's not likely, at least in my lifetime, I pray that we're going to be martyred for our faith. But we are martyred to some degree because one of the things that I hear all the time is that when I share my faith with someone, I'm called a bigot, I'm called stupid, I, you know, they intellectually oppress me, all these kinds of things. They may not be taking our life, but they, they take our self-esteem. If we, if we allow our self-esteem to be grounded in, <clears throat> in getting along with people. And so we, you know, Christians are notoriously quiet in this, in this community, in this environment, because they don't want the criticism. They don't want to be made to feel stupid or whatever the issue is. And I think that's a direct result of what we're reading here today is that we have to be willing to, you know, in a loving way, be willing to proclaim truth, even when society and culture calls us you know, bigots and religious freaks and Jesus freaks and all the other kind of stuff that we get called. Um, it's not, you know, that doesn't hurt us. That's not, but it, but it does because, you know, the old phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. That's not true. Words are far more dangerous because they, they stay with us. Uh, but we need to develop a, a strength in our faith and in the Word of God that those words really don't hurt us. We have to be willing to to proclaim God's Word, even at the risk of societal rejection, intellectual rejection, cultural rejection, whatever kind of rejection. That's the problem with the liberal churches. They have bought into, and and the Word has separated the churches because they've bought into culture and they've colluded with culture because they don't like the rejection. 
this is where it is. You never want to lessen the blow of God's word when Jesus means business. It's very simple. Yeah. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to follow Jesus. And, and that's why when we hear at other points, when it talks about don't worry about what you will say in persecution, because the spirit of your father will be speaking through you. Also, we hear that God works good for those who love him according to his purpose. This is Romans 8, that, that clearly God says, yes, these things are going to happen, but also says, I'm going to be with you every step along the way. And we have to allow God to speak and not and not let us try to explain God away in the midst of these words. Also, it is very telling for two reasons. First one is, this is exactly the, the, the these passages that we are reading throughout Matthew 10 are exactly the passages and into 11 that we have in our confirmation rite, in our hymnal that we've had for you know generations as far as tradition within our church to help young people confess the truth or new converts or people who are baptized into Christ to confess the truth of the faith and to say th this question, do you intend to continue steadfast in this confession of in confession in church and to suffer all, even death, then rather than fall away from it? And our response is not, I do, I'll never question, but it's I do by the grace of God. And that you know, is a huge, with the help of God, yeah. That, that yeah. it, this is this is God with us, carrying us, um, supporting us, encouraging us, whatever it might be. And he is the one that's, that's the battle. This is Ephesians 6, where he gives us a sword of the Spirit in order to battle what we have in front of us today. So uh, your words have been very helpful for us to put in context into real world and also to understand that, yeah, God's grace is covering all of this. Your thoughts? And that's why I think the fellowship of the church is so important because, and these days people go to church only on Sundays. Maybe they go to a Wednesday night Bible study, but only a small number. We have isolated ourselves so much that we're, we're in danger of being the sheep that lags behind and the wolf can snatch us away. And that's why it's really important, and especially in these times of being, of being secluded and all of this, We've got to stay together on the phone, on Zoom, whatever it takes. We really need to be with be, be with the fellowship of the body, so that we can combat this this real spiritual warfare that is going on around us, that translates into a very visual and physical warfare, you know, psychologically, especially in this country. And so, here here's another aspect of this is. Jesus is definitely having us check our idols at the door. I mean, this is first commandment situations. I heard one pastor um, <laughs> just kind of put the scenario down where he said, okay, if someone gave you a hundred dollars and said, would you deny Christ? What would you say? And of course we were like, well, it, no problem. You know, a hundred dollars comes and goes. And then he said, what about a thousand? And still kind of the same deal. What about a hundred thousand? And you're kind of thinking, okay, all right. And then he finally gets to a million. And by that point, you're asking questions that you don't ask at $100. You're like, okay, well, if this yeah. is real, how could I find a loophole? <laughs> yeah. How can I look yeah. at this? It, it just it just sneaks in. And Jesus is definitely having us check our idols at the door. Are you going to follow me or not? Are you going to trust in me or not? And those are hard things, which is 
beauty of it, he doesn't leave you alone. This is why he talks about the Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see to see him and to strengthen us through those trials. And um, and that's I that's one of the realities of this text that really struck me is it's really made me check myself and to think about what are my idols and what do I need to repent over. Anything else before we move on? Well, you know, for Jewish people, you know, I've, and I've known so many who have recanted their faith in the face of really rational Jewish arguments against Jesus. Uh, and I've always prayed, Lord, if, if I'm ever susceptible to to these kinds of uh, arguments, please protect me from those people. Because there are anti-missionaries who are going around trying to rec- recover and combat Christian missionary activity among Jews. And, and, and it just breaks my heart when people do accept the million, and the million mm-hmm. just happens to be re- reinstatement in the community. When, and, and we need to be community for people, not just Jewish yeah. people, but anybody who is suffering in the community that they're in. And this is my encouragement for you, our listeners, that if you are in a situation where your belief in Jesus separates you from a community you dearly love, which obviously for you, Pastor, this is the Jewish community, I would say this goes into just a number of different realms. It can be different ethnicities. Um, I know for like an example around St. Cloud area here in Minnesota, you have many people who are Somalian from from Africa. To For them to deny the Islamic faith would be almost just a complete denial of everything that they are. So that's just an example of that as well. But if you are, are an individual that to believe in Jesus would end up leading you to um, not being, no longer being able to be part of your community, um, let us know. Contact KFUO, and we'll try to connect you to a local congregation where you will be loved and, and I guess you would say accepted um, in the name of Jesus. That That is our goal, to connect you to that community that we have in our Lord Jesus. And, and that is one of the key things that we have to remember in this text, that you are not alone. Not only is the Lord with you, but the church gathers and will surround you as well. Pastor, uh, let's get to the... Go ahead. You can give all to. Thanks be to God for I that. Verses, go ahead. <laughs> We're going to get this. We're going to get this. I'm ready to get the last That's few verses, Pastor. You. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Verses 40 through 42. Whoever receives you receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. The one who receives a prophet because he is a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And the one who receives a righteous person because he is a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will be by no means he will by no means lose his reward. Well, Pastor Wright, I'll just start with the the blatant uh, misinterpretation of this is saying, so every little child I see, I should give a cup of cold water and I'm following God's command. What would your response right. be? Social <laughs> ministry with no gospel, right? Right, right, exactly. Yeah, that's, you... that's one of my big pet peeves, because we have to minister to the need that they have. Uh, in, you know, Yes, certainly water for those who are thirsty, but the water is really the water of life that is the gospel of Jesus. Uh, and I'm always struck by this, because people read this and they think there's a reward in receiving the prophet. But what is a prophet's reward? Jesus himself in the lament over Jerusalem says, you have stoned and killed all the prophets. 
people who receive the reward, that's not a good thing, at least in the body. Uh, righteous people are, are resented. You know, the, the rewards that we receive for receiving these are not rewards that we can cash, you know? And he repeats but the, himself. But the whole issue here at the end is that we, we continue to love. We continue to serve. We continue to minister. We continue to wield that sword that, yes, might separate and give us physical pain but uh, and emotional pain. But yet the eternal reward is the reward that we're, we're, we're receiving. And he speaks about those who receive you. And this goes back to mm-hmm. verse 14. If anyone will not receive you or listen to your word, shake off the dust from your feet and leave that house or town. And so there's definitely this, um, this understanding of that unity of faith. When people receive me, we are receiving Christ. And this goes back to a little bit what you were talking about that we see in Matthew 25, that, that, that we are continuously given opportunities to serve, and the Lord continuously <laughs> works through us to receive people in the name of Jesus. And to me, that is uh, the call of the church. That's the call of each of us individuals, and also something that we have to remember every time we encounter other people. What are your thoughts on the challenges of that for us as Christians? Well, I, you know, I, I, again, I think it's really easy because, you know, people, even broken, sinful people are generally kind and generous. I mean, there's no question Americans are some of the most generous people on the face of the earth when it comes to charities and crowdfunding things and all kinds of stuff. Just because you do good for people does not make you a believer in Jesus. And do and loving others in that sense doesn't is not a mark of faith necessarily. But mm-hmm. the question is, can we provide for people's needs while at the same time providing for their spiritual needs? Because that's where we fall down at. It's easy to, to, to set up a food bank, set up a clothing bank, uh, you know, serve soup on Thanksgiving, whatever. Uh, and those are all good things. Don't get me wrong. But if we're not risking ourselves by sharing the gospel across those bridges, and, and we don't do it because they won't come back or whatever. I mean, we have we have a real problem with people on the on the uh, interstate off ramps. They're constantly there begging. Um, and I've done so, you know, it's become a real burden for me. How do we handle these people? We love them. We don't want them there because it's dangerous for them, number one. And number two, mm-hmm. it's not it's not good for them either. And people just hand them a dollar and, and they're very generous, but that doesn't help them. And, you know, one of the things that we have established is we will always give a bottle of water, a Bible, and an invitation to a local Salvation Army rehab center. Um, That's the best we can do unless they want that help. But we have to at least give them the gospel, you know, along with whatever help we can give them. And so, Pastor, as as we look at all these verses today, we have about five minutes left in our time. There is an importance for us to be able to um, let Jesus speak as opposed to me trying to tell others what I think he is actually saying. 
And at the same time, knowing that this is scripture interprets scripture. So this is not in a box, you know, this is in a context and throughout scripture, we receive this message, but then it's doused with grace throughout the rest. So how would you encourage our listeners? Because these words can be kind of fearful <laughs> for us, but also as we look at all of scripture, it fits very nicely in understanding the grace that we have in Christ. How would you encourage our listeners with these words today? So I daily pray for growing faith and, and know that faith is a gift from God and that as we have that faith and exercise that faith, God is with us and God is exercising our faith for us. And it's a blessing to know that through us, uh, not only are we blessed by God through faith, but others will be as well. And, and so we always look at the gifts that God has poured out on us and then ask, how do we respond to these gifts? Because it doesn't, it isn't, it's a natural response to say, Lord, help me share my faith. What a blessing this faith is that you've given me. I will follow you wherever you lead. Help me share this gift with others. And he does that. And, and even if you feel like you're rejected, Trust me, you plant the seeds. The church is a big place. There are others who are also planting seeds. And I've been working with people for over 20 years who seem recalcitrant, but yet over time, I've seen this gentle chipping away of this, of this, um, this hard exterior to, to Jesus that, is, that does allow us to see Christ working in others. And so, Pastor, let's 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 think of the context of the community that you work with. And I would say overall that um, we, many of us, have you know, most of us, many of us are Gentiles, <laughs> so we haven't really worked in this community. My ask, my question for you is, how can we, as a community of believers, pray for you and the Jewish community, especially in the context of these words today? Well, I would certainly appreciate all your prayers for all the ministries in our in our church and even those outside of our church that are seeking to share the gospel with Jewish people. But more than more than that, it's not just Jew I mean certainly Jesus is sending his apostles to the lost tribes of the house of, of Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, that's God's first children and his great love, but he loves all people. And there are so many people. Risk risk the relationships you have with your neighbors by sharing the gospel with them. Uh, risk, you know, do so in such a way that it's winsome and that it's, you know, that it's loving. But understand that these folks need the greatest gift that you have. And so pray not only just for us in this ministry field, but pray for yourself to have the strength and the courage to talk to your neighbor across, yes, maybe from six feet away through a mask, I don't know. But talk about Jesus. I think too many too many believers just don't talk enough about Jesus and that's that we need to pray for the courage to be able to do that despite the fact that we may well be rejected or they you know my wife took cookies to a guy in our neighborhood this year at Christmas and he said I don't want any part of that. He knows who we are. He's and he kind of rejected her, but his wife came over the other day and was was very respectful and thanked us for it. You just don't know how you're going to be received. Pastor Kevin Parviz of Congregation Kaivi Shalom in St. Louis, Clayton, Missouri, giving us God's strong word from Matthew chapter 10. 
Pastor Parviz, thank you for bringing us his gifts. Have a great epiphany, and it's great to great to study the Word with you again. And you as well. Just don't ever forget, that's enough from you. <laughs> the, the Lord be with you. <laughs> Blessings. Thank you. Thank you. Saints of our Lord, as we hear these words today, we are we are just covered by the grace of God. That he did not say, take up your cross and follow me, and then say, well, that's your cross, not mine. I'm not going to take one. No, he took a cross, and that cross is for you. And this reminds us, too, that it's not just a Jewish community that is not believing. It is not just a Jewish community here or around the world that is suffering and in darkness. For it is in light, in Jesus, that we have this light. And in that light, we have the light of life. And that is our joy today for us to be able to proclaim and to know in all things. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us, and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hand.